If you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7, we'll be reading the text first and then we'll be praying. Again, I'll be praying for a few countries this morning. Um, if you haven't picked one of these up, please pick it up and um, pray for those brothers and sisters around the world that um, are persecuted for having faith in Jesus. Um, some are hostile countries, some are restricted. So I'll be praying for a few of those this morning. Um, but I encourage you, pick up one of those prayer guides in the back table there. Um, so let's Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. It's a big chunk, but there's a lot of good things that Jesus is um, teaching here to many different people. So here we go. Are you ready to learn from the book of Mark today? Um, I think I told a couple of you, it was a hard week for me. Uh, this is a hard text. Um, I could have went 300,000 different ways on it, but I went the way I chose because <laughs> uh, I think it's the, the, the main, uh, main idea of the text and Jesus is trying to bring it out, which you see the title there. It, it is a heart issue. So here we go. Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to tr human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Some hard things in there. 
So let's pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us this morning. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this morning where we can gather together singing your singing praises to your name through song remembering Jesus our savior around the communion table this morning and now as we come to your word help us to have open ears and minds and hearts to hear what you have for us this morning and help us to follow you if we need to change And to encourage others if they need to change. So thank you for the body of Christ that encourages and builds up each other in our faith. So thank you for your body. We also think of followers of Jesus around the world that may be going through hard times with opposition. And I think of the countries of Kazakhstan, Kenya, Kuwait, Kyrgyzstan, Laos, and Lebanon this morning. They're either hostile or restricted countries that it's hard to be a follower of Jesus. But I pray that you would be with them even at this very moment. Protect them, guide them in truth, and help them to just be bold to keep proclaiming the truth of Jesus to those around them. Thank you for this morning again for Jesus and the Savior that He is to the world. In His wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may have heard of these idioms or expressions, or maybe used them before. So here we go. You might have used this one or heard it. Break someone's heart. Have you heard that one before? Or you maybe said it to yourself, I got my heart broken. Number two, cross your, hope, cross your heart and hope to die. Have you ever used that one or heard that phrase before? I think I used it as a kid a couple times. Number three, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Number four, from the bottom of my heart. You probably heard that one or used it. Number five, be half-hearted about something. I always had that said to me when I was playing sports. Keith, you're so half-hearted in this. Come on. You need to be wholehearted. Number six, have a heart-to-heart talk. We've never had those, have we? We have, right? We've said that. Um, And number seven, this is the last, there's a bunch you can say, but this last one, I think if Jesus spoke English, he would have used it in this one, okay? He would have said this, get at the heart of the matter. The main issue or concern that is being discussed in this text is the heart. The heart of the matter is the heart in this text. That's kind of the main idea. Um, The title is it is a heart issue, but if you had it in a, a sentence, another sentence, the heart of the matter is the heart in this text. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at. Now, we're going to start at the end of the text. We're going to do something different. Start at the end. Look what Jesus says at the end, verse 20, starting in verse 20. Jesus went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Jesus says the heart is the issue. 
Not what comes in. They're talking about food. Okay, it's not what comes in that's going to defile you. It's what comes out of your heart. And you know me, I have to look up words, right? And the word heart here, you may have an idea of what heart is. It's an organ, okay? That might be your thinking. The Greek word here is cardia. Everybody say that, cardia. There's two places I have a definition. In the Thayer's Greek lexicon, the definition of cardia is the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind, as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors. The center and seat of spiritual life. In the Dictionary of the New Testament Theology, edited by Colin Brown, it says this, Cardia, it is the seat of doubt and hardness as well as of faith and obedience. It's the seat, the, the place of life, okay? Your spiritual life, whether it's faith or obedience or hardness or doubt. It's the same place. Remember, you remember, uh, I don't know if it was last week, I can't, I get my mixed up. But remember the disciples, their hearts were hardened. They lost the power to understand. That's where it's coming from, the heart, the soul, the mind, where everything comes out of. And Jesus says that to his disciples. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. Out of a person's heart, their spiritual life, the seed of it. How do we get here, though? How did Jesus get to this point in the text? And it's interesting how he gets there. Because look at the beginning. Who comes to Jesus? In verse 1, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. So these people, these religious leaders are gathering around Jesus and they have a question for him. You know, they always have a question for him, trying to trick him maybe. But they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? What are they doing, Jesus? They're doing it wrong. You never heard that before, have you? Have you? I'm I'm speaking within the church now. Somebody comes up to you, another follower of Jesus, and says, you're doing it wrong. You should be living like this. And it's like not from the Bible. That's what they're trying to say. They're trying to trip Jesus to say, what are your disciples doing? And what does Jesus do? Oh, Jesus is a way of words. And what, most of the time he quotes what? Scripture, as it is written. And he quotes from Isaiah, which is, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. He goes back to the prophet Isaiah, and he speaks it to the Pharisees and the religious law teachers of the day. He says, this is what the prophet said about you. Which, if you go back to Isaiah, he's talking about the his time, but Jesus brings it to his time, and I think we can bring it to our time. Don't you think so? I was listening to 
a preacher this week, and David Platt, if you've heard the name, he said, we are them to his congregation. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. There are people that are honoring God with their lips, but their heart is far from God. They'll do it on the outside, but their heart in the inside is... I can't see the heart, only God does, but there are people like that, I believe. We are them, David Platt says. And if you look at, I like Greek words, some of them, not all the time, but Greek word tradition, you, you might have something in your mind. I know some traditions are good. If I want to pass down a family tradition to my kids, I'm going to do it. But Jesus and the, uh, the religious leaders of Pharisees, they're... They say, why aren't your disciples living according to tra- the tradition of the elders? The tradition, the Greek word is paradosis, and this is interesting because you're gonna, you might have heard it before, but this is what the word means. The teachings of the rabbis, interpretations of the law, which was thereby made void in practice. And then another translation, or another um, dictionary, Greek dictionary of tradition, precepts, both illustrating and expanding. What's expanding mean? You kind of add to something, right? Precepts, both illustrating and expanding the written laws as they did were to be obeyed with equal reverence. So these Pharisees and teachers of the law Ask Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to to the tradition of the elders, the expanded version of the law? And Jesus quotes Isaiah, says, this is about you hypocrites. And then verse 8, you have let go the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. They're holding on to those written laws that have expanded the law and they've held on to them and let go of the commands of God. They want to hold to these things. And Jesus says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God. That's just saying you have creative ways to like set aside and do your traditions rather than the commands of God. And then he gives an example again from Moses. If you've never heard Corbin before, I never did till this week. Okay, I knew it was in the Bible maybe, but I never really looked at it or studied it. But I didn't study it much. But Corbin is basically saying, I've devoted this to God. And if my parents need help, I can't use this because I've already devoted it to God. So, sorry parents, I can't use it because it's God's, not yours. I can't do it. That's what Corbin is. So if you devoted something to God, you can't use it to help your parents. And Jesus says, you nullify the word of God by your tradition, Corbin tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, Jesus is saying, hey, remember Isaiah, this is about you. And you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. Your worship is in vain. Have you ever vainly done something? You've done it and... You just didn't want to do it. You just did it because you had to and check off that box. The word vain is matin. It means this, and it's eye-catching. In vain, fruitlessly. 
And the Merriam-Webster fruitlessly means lacking or not bearing fruit. So Jesus tells the Pharisees, these religious leaders who are supposed to be teaching truth, teaching the law to people and the commands of God, which they're not, they're expanding them. He says, your worship is in vain. You're not bearing any fruit. That's eye-catching because sometimes we may go through life and we think we're following Jesus, but we're really not. Because we're not bearing fruit. Remember going back to Mark chapter, I'm going to mess up, earlier chapter in Mark, the parable of the soil, the sower, the good soil. What happens? It's in you and what happens? You produce fruit, a crop. But if you're not producing any crops, that's what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees. You're vainly worshiping God. So, Jesus, if you're taking notes, Jesus interacts with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and says, hey, this is you. And then look what he goes to. He goes to the crowd next in in verse 14. So he's interacting, he interacts with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He starts with them first because they're supposed to be teaching the other people how to live. And then he addresses the crowd. See this. He says, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. So do you ever have somebody say that? Listen and understand what I'm about to say. That's what Jesus is saying. And the crowds are listening. So he says, nothing outside of a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person. So they're talking about food, right? You can't eat with unwashed hands. So nothing goes, that goes in, Jesus is saying, can defile you. The food that goes in, that won't defile you. What comes out is going to make you defiled. Okay, So it's inside of you. And then Jesus, um, a footnote in my Bible says, verse 16 can be there. It could be like, hear and listen to this, something like that. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. But then 17, so he's addressed the crowd. He says, listen to this parable, this proverb crowd. Listen and understand so they can maybe go home and chew on it a little bit and think about it, what Jesus said to them, and try to understand it. But then, after he had left the crowd, so Jesus has left the crowd. He's left the Pharisees. He left the religious leaders And he entered the house. His disciples asked him about the parable. So he's entered the house. And when I came to the house, I was like, ah, there's got to be something there. Okay? It wouldn't be in there if it wasn't important. So I wrote questions for myself, and I hope these help you. I said, entered the house. Why does Jesus enter the house? Is the house important? Another question I ask, where do we go if we need more clarity on an issue? Do we have spiritual discussions, conversations in our homes? Who do we trust with our lack of understanding? Who do we go to or invite to ask our questions about the Christian life? Where do we go? Jesus enters the house. His disciples ask Him about the parable in the house. 
They're away from the crowds. They're away from the teachers of the law. They're by themselves with their rabbi, Jesus. And they ask him about the parable. And Jesus, uh, he's very blunt. (laughs) Verse 18, are you so dull? When somebody says that to me or something similar, I'm like, are you sure? How do you know what I'm thinking, you know? But Jesus tells his disciples, are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. He says, this is what the parable means, okay? This is what the proverb means. And then he went on, that's where we started, right? He went on and it's about the heart, what comes out of the heart is what defiles you. Walter Wessel, a commentator, said this, what really makes a person unclean comes from within, out of the heart and the will. What one thinks, says, desires, and does. These only can make a person unclean. And all these things that are mentioned are things that you think, things that you say, things that you desire, and things that you do. This is the, these are the categories that are happening, that Jesus says, these are what make a person defiled, unclean, out of a person's heart. But it's in the home with his disciples where he's trying to get them to understand it's about the heart. Don't worry about the religious leaders and the Pharisees kind of condemning you for not doing what the traditions say. This is what it means. How do we understand the text better, though? We have to understand, I mean, we're back where we started, right? The end of it, the heart of the matter is the heart. So how do we understand the heart even better? And I wrote this for myself, and I'm going to bring it to you. If we don't understand that our heart is the problem, then we have a problem. (laughs) Does that make sense? If you don't understand that your heart is bad, wicked, then you got a problem. Because look at this. If you have your Bibles, does everybody have their Bibles today? I hope so. If you don't, there's probably one in front of you. We're going to do some digging here real quick. Genesis chapter 6. We're going back to the beginning of our Bibles. Genesis chapter 6. Remember this in your head. If we don't understand that our heart is the problem, then we have a problem. So if you're here today and say, well, my heart's not the problem, then listen up, okay? This is for you and for all of us because we go through times that we don't follow God's commands. Look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. So you know, you got creation, you got the fall, uh, the eating of the fruit, Adam and Eve fell, they're kicked out of the garden, okay? Noah comes, or Adam has sons and sons, and then Noah comes along, and then this is what Genesis 6, 5 says. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Only evil 
How much of the time? All the time. That's why God had to say, like, no, you got to build this boat. I got to start over. Because the human heart was only evil all the time. If we don't understand that our heart is the problem, then we have a problem. Okay, go to Isaiah. We've, Jesus quotes it, but if you remember the Mark text, you'll, it's the same thing. But in Isaiah, this is a prophet from God. He's preaching to the nations around him, and he says this, Isaiah 29, 13. This is what Jesus quoted. But Isaiah, this is in his time. So Isaiah 29:13 the Lord or the Lord says These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught So they're not following God's commands they're following the human rules that have been taught to them If we don't understand our heart is the problem then we have a problem The prophets were even saying, your hearts are far from God. You need to do something about it. And then Jeremiah, if you read through Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet, but in Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5. So Jeremiah is another prophet from God going to people and proclaiming what God says. And Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5, this is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is the main verse, I think, right here. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? If you don't understand that your heart is the problem, you have a problem. We have a problem. It's deceitful above all things. Who can understand it. It's beyond cure, Jeremiah says. Then you go to Proverbs. We're going to get to the cure in a second. This is the condition of your heart, and I'll get to the cure in a second here. But Proverbs chapter 3, you've probably memorized these as a kid, or they're good ones to memorize. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and then we're going to go to a couple other verses in Proverbs. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you are probably saying it in your mind right now because you've memorized it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You think Jesus might have said that to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? In all, or Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own traditions. Submit to God and He will make your path straight. One page over probably in your Bible. Chapter 4, verse 23 of Proverbs. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. We have to guard our heart. We have to protect it. We have to do things that help it. Okay, Guard your heart for everything flows from it. And then Psalm, now we're getting to the cure here, okay? Did you see the condition of the heart? It's what? Evil all the time. (laughs) It's wicked. It's beyond cure. Is that a good thing? Is your heart a good thing? Say no. Without the cure, the condition of the heart is evil, is wicked. Now what's the cure? I think one place, before we go to the New Testament, I think one place to start is this, Psalm 51. You probably know it, maybe. This is after David sinned against God with murder and adultery. And he said this in Psalm 51. I think we can start here. If we understand the condition of our heart, we can cry this out like David did. Psalm 51, verse 10. What does David write? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Our first thing we need to do is what? Call out to God. Don't try to fix it on your own. Don't go to the self-help section, okay? Some of them are good, okay? And if you read it, they sound good. But I think the main cure for a wicked heart is crying out to God and saying, I need a new heart. And what's the definition of heart that Jesus is talking about? Cardia, the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul, the mind, where everything comes out of. And Jesus, or the psalm writer here, David, is saying, God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Go to 2 Corinthians. This is our last verse right now. 2 Corinthians. Because you saw the condition, right? It's wicked. And the cure is calling out to God, calling out to Jesus, saying, you need to save me, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm wicked without you. I'm evil without you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what Paul writes. I'll start in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Who makes the heart new? Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world. And what's Mark talking about? The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. 
And he explains and writes down what Jesus is teaching and doing. And Jesus tells his disciples in the house, because they wanted clarity of what this means. And he says, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And all these evil thoughts, actions, words, um, desires, thinking, it all comes from the heart. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So what's the cure for a heart that is so wicked and so against God? It's Jesus. That's the only way you can get a new heart. The only way you can get a new life is found in Jesus. And I hope that as you're going through the Gospel of Mark, you see that already. The disciples, remember, they are... Sometimes they understand, sometimes they don't. And Jesus here is plainly saying it's a heart issue. The heart of the matter is the heart. You've got to take care of that first before you can f- anything can flow out of you that's not defiled, that's not wicked, that's not unclean. So what do we do? We cry out to Jesus. We Hear Jesus' words when He was saying in chapter 1, Repent and believe the good news, which is Myself, Jesus Christ. That's what He's saying to the crowds. And that's what the disciples taught when they went out. And that's what we preach today, right? Repent and believe Jesus. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And what do you receive when you're getting baptized and you call out to Jesus as Savior? You repent and you're baptized into Christ. Who comes into your life? The Spirit who gives life and power to overcome sexual immorality, thefts, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Only the Spirit can help us not do those things, right? Because if we don't have Jesus in our lives, we're going to be doing some of these things. We even do some of them now. Okay? There are times where we fall into these things, but we have the Spirit in us because we call out to Jesus and say, I need a new heart. And then if you call on Jesus, He gives you a new heart and a new life, and then we can say, Spirit's telling me to stop doing this, and we stop doing it because the Spirit's working in us and guiding us to get away from these activities that draw us away from God and hurt other people too. All these things that Jesus is talking about, these are harmful to other people as well, not just yourself. So think about that when we go through a hard time and we've sinned and we say, ah, I know I've hurt myself, but we've probably hurt other people too. And we might have to go seek forgiveness from other people too. So Jesus, the heart of the matter is the heart. And Jesus teaches that in a powerful way. He says to the Pharisees, You honor me with your lips, but your heart far from me. Crowds here, listen to this and understand it. Chew on this a little bit. Go home and understand what I just said. And then the disciples get the encounter with Jesus' teaching that says, this is what it truly is. And you need to be probably living it out, disciples. So I hope and pray that we 
lose some of the traditions we may say, if we do this perfectly, I'm a Christian. Here's an example, okay? When I was a kid growing up in elementary Christian school, chapel services, Bible classes, the teacher would say, you have to read your Bible every day or pray every day or you're not really following Jesus. How would that make an eight-year-old kid feel? Anybody? Overwhelmed. Even a 15-year-old high schooler, how did that make me feel? Like, ooh, college student, ah. Even now, ah. Those types of things. If you point things out that are like, you're not doing this like I'm doing it, you're not saved or you're not a Christian. So let's take a moment to say, what are those traditions that are truly from God, word, and commands of God? And what are those traditions we may have to say, I can still do it, but I can't force other people to do it. Does that make sense? Because I got, when I was reading a commentary, I'll end with this. This is what David Garland says. He's give, he says in the example of a blue crab, which a blue crab has to shed its shell to keep living, okay? And if it doesn't shed its shell, it basically dies in its shell. So this is what he said after that exa- illustration of the blue crab. He says, Losing traditions that make one feel safe and comfortable can cause great anxiety. But hanging on to traditions so that one becomes hard-shelled is fatal. That's what I'm talking about. Lose the traditions that may be good for you, but don't force them on other people. Does that make sense? And then we look to Jesus and say, create in us a clean heart, a pure heart. Give me a new life that I may encourage others to live out their new lives. And I'll end with this. I know I'm going everywhere. But this was my thought pattern in the week. You don't have to turn there, but I want to end with this because it's Thanksgiving time, correct? And I, I never open a book on a Sunday morning in my office, but I did this week before, I, before everybody came in. I'm like, I saw this book on my shelf. I'm like, I haven't read a chapter in this book in a while. So I opened it up, picked a chapter because you don't have to read it in order. So I picked the chapter and it was talking about Um, being thankful for your church and the congregation you have. And he's a pastor writing this book, and in this chapter he said, I'm not a good preacher because of myself. I'm a good preacher because of, well, first of all, God's in me. Okay, God's working in me. But I'm the preacher I am because of my congregation. So I'm thankful for you all because I'm not the preacher I am I'm, 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 follow, I'm following the Spirit, but you all encourage me to be the better preacher. Does that make sense? But in Hebrews chapter 10, this is what I was thinking this week too. When he's talking about the home and, and entering house. Hebrews chapter 10. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience 
and having our bodies washed with pure heart or pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, and I don't just think that's here. I think it's at your house, at the coffee shop, at the park, wherever it may be. Don't miss opportunities to meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging each other. Because let me tell you, some of those moments, whether it's in my office or whether it's in a park or whether it's at a coffee shop or my own house or your house that I'm in, I'm the most encouraged. Because you have the more intimate conversations. You have the more hard questions you may ask each other. And I think that's what we can learn. Jesus entered the house and says, this is what it means, disciples. And then we say, call out to Jesus because only Jesus can cure your heart. If you don't understand that your heart is the problem, you have a problem. We have a problem. And I'm going to end with this as the praise team comes up. One of my favorite songs. It's called From the Inside Out. But it says this. As the chorus. My heart, my soul, Lord, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out. Let justice and praise become my embrace. To love you from the inside out. If you need to give your heart and say, Lord, give me a new heart and come to Jesus, please do it today. It's probably one of the best decisions you'll ever make. And one that will cause great celebration not only here, but the angels in heaven will be praising and rejoicing. So, as the praise team comes up, if you need to make a decision, do it today. If you need to pray, there's room there too. You can pray with somebody, you can pray by yourself, but pray if you need to pray. If you need a church home, a family, um, we love to have you at Ferris. Um, Because if you're connected with a body, you get encouragement back and forth. Right? If you know somebody that is in this church, they encourage you, you encourage them. It's back and forth. Because I've, I've, I've experienced that even in the short time I've been your minister. It's been encouraging. So if you need to make a decision, you need to pray, you need to do something with your heart, do it today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the Gospel of Mark and just the different interactions that Jesus had talking about the heart. I pray that we would look to You in the midst of struggles, in the midst of hardship, because You are the only one that could save. You are the only one that could give us a pure heart. So I pray today if someone needs to make a decision, whatever decision that may be, that they would make it today. And help us 
all to be encouraging to one another, stirring and spurring each other to good deeds and love. Not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. So thank you, Jesus, for what you have done, dying on the cross, being buried and raising from the dead to give us new life. Thank you, Jesus. In His name, amen.